Welcome to the Gospel for Life. We have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but rather it's for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. I'm Josh Bales, pastor of the Well Church, here with Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Phil Moran, pastor at Christ Presbyterian Church, and Jonathan Van Hoogen, pastor at Spring United Reformed Church. Now, if you'd like to find out more about us or catch past broadcasts or get information about our annual conference, you can find us at ReformationVoice.com. All right, welcome back to the show. We are continuing. You know, I should ask you this before we go on the air. I don't know what I'm supposed to call this series. What? What what's the name of this? It series? doesn't matter what I say <laughs> off the air because you're going to make fun of me on the air every time. Every time. That's so right. yeah. <clears throat> get to know me. Get, get to know me. Questions. Get to know Russ. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so all hate mail. Yeah, yeah. Go to go get, to Russ. Okay. Yeah. No, I actually I've gotten really positive feedback from this series from from the three or four listeners that we have. So um, that's encouraging. Um, okay, so. Okay, here we go. Okay, uh, next question. Has the proliferation of online religious material, both writing and media, had been has it been a positive or a negative? I think that's a. I think it's a both. I think that um, you know, one uh, you know, particularly for those people that are uh, shut in or are unable to uh, gather as a, a body. Uh, there has been a great benefit that they can actually participate with us as we are, you know, even on a Sunday morning, they can live stream directly. So there's a there's some benefit to that. There's a, you know, um, you know, we want people to be, uh, you know, used to be able to say readers are leaders. I think that there's a, a great um, deal of um, maturity that comes from, um, you know, being informed on the the internet and they're you know now they have to be very you, you want them to be discerning you know because there's a lot of things that are out there um but uh you know if you can kind of guide and direct that i think that there's some benefit there yeah so even in my lifetime, if I go back to my childhood, um, most of the religious material that was out there like on television were the televangelists um, mm-hmm. I would not give a lot of endorsement to much of what was on tv from most of my growing up years um but that's different today Mm -hmm. um you have just a wealth of rich um biblical theological material whether that's writing whether that's sermons whether that's podcasts um that we have access to um and it, it is absolutely wonderful i mean people can travel in their cars and and download and listen to um, sermons or podcasts and and be edified there is so much just wonderful articles and um detailed biblical exegesis that's that's online that you have access to um so it's just it's so positive in so many ways and so how can you yeah. get to the point of saying with jonathan where that there's a good and a bad but I agree that there is a good and a bad. You have to be, you have to be discerning. Uh, you know, our associate pastor who's left to go down to uh, Florida to um, pastor a church there, uh, during the time he was with us, 
He worked with um, R.C. Sproul's Ligonier Ministries, and uh, if you would ask a question, uh, you know, you, you could go ask Ligonier. He was one of the. There was people that worked twenty four seven around the clock. He was internationally uh, who would answer uh, your question, and there and he would get some incredible uh, questions. Mm-hmm. As pastors, we get questions occasionally. Um, you know, somebody would say, "Hey, you know, I was thinking about your sermon last night, and, and this came up," or. You know, but he was, he would be getting these questions, which then made him a better minister too, because, um, it, you know, you're beginning to answer the questions that people want. I remember years ago when I asked my dad, I was, I was struggling in a philosophy ca- class. You know, I'm going, why do I have to learn about, you know, uh, some of this stuff? And he says, ultimately, it, those are just the questions recast that people are asking. Yeah. And, uh, and you, and, and so a person on the internet, gets an opportunity to, you know, one, answer the question that's on their mind right at the moment. Yeah. I think, I think overall the, the, the increase of the religious material is really good. I mean, going back to the Reformation, um, Rome was against the interpretation of Scripture into the vulgar or common languages because they feared right. that there would be sext and cults and stuff that would rise up and people would tw- twist and, and, and everybody would the be their own pope. Right. Now, they were right about that happening, but their prognosis of saying, uh, let's therefore keep the scripture hidden mm-hmm. and obscure in Latin, they were wrong. So I think overall, the proliferation of the religious material is right. really good. I-, I do think that like theories like flat earth today w- would not gain the traction that it's gained except for on the internet. <laughs> this, is, um, this is true. <laughs> so, there's an aspect that I, I'm going to talk about as a negative um, that might seem odd, but part of it is with all of this material, all of the sermons that you can listen to, podcasts that you can listen to, whatever it might be, conferences that you can even go to, it it can create um, a, a spiritual discontentment with yeah. the ordinary. Mm-hmm. And we have to be careful with that. Um, your church is not something remote um, you need to be engaged in a local um, body, if at all possible. So I understand that there are some exceptions, that there are some people that have um, health concerns or their shut-ins or whatever it might be that cannot physically go and engage in the life of the church. We get that. We're not. That's not who we're talking about. What we're talking about is those that, because they can sit at the feet of Sinclair Ferguson, they say, why should I go to? My Why would I go listen to Josh or Jonathan or Russ yeah. when I can mm-hmm. have Sinclair Ferguson? Yeah. Well, you're right. Sinclair is better than all three of us combined. Yeah. But however, that's not your church, yeah. and he's not your pastor. Yeah. And so you can create this spiritual discontentment that is not healthy. Yeah. And so then what happens is people will say, "Well, all of my spiritual intake is th- through." something online, something that's that's not personal and in person. And I think we have to be careful that we don't even subtly undermine the work of, of the church, the local church. Amen. Well, since we've completely exhausted that question, there's nothing <laughs> left to say on it. Let's go to the next one. Um, what are key truths that you've seen members struggle with over the years? 
I think maybe one for me is just the whole idea of union with Christ. What does what does a child of God possess in Jesus Christ? Um, how is it theirs? How is it maintained? What does it mean um, for them in all areas of life? And um, there's confusion about it. There's confusion about how union and communion work together. Um, there's a though you meet people and they would talk about grace. Um, people don't understand grace. To be real honest, as far as how they're accepted with God is not based upon merit, not based upon performance, at least not their own. It's based upon the merit and the work of Jesus Christ alone, and that we have what we have because we're in him. And I I think that's a concept that's hard for people um, and even harder to live. It's hard to grasp at times. It's harder to to live out on a day-to-day basis. Well, it's always been my... uh, opinion that what people lack and what they what what bothers them and it's not changed uh, through the years is the assurance of their salvation mm-hmm. their assurance that of how they're right with God mm-hmm. and you know a lot of that comes because they're not very well informed uh, you know through God's word some of them you know they you know they maybe there's some bad theology there that you know that uh, is not helping them but they they don't understand that insurance partly they don't understand grace as you're talking about if yeah. you know these the union with Christ goes together with uh, this lack of assurance that's bo- bothering them and you know there is a there is a sense of in which assurance um, is n- uh, not the essence of faith. Uh, you know, I mean, wh- we, can, we can be saved without any sense of assurance that we are. Mm-hmm. That's what the Westminster Confession said. This, the, the, it calls it an infallible insur- assurance. Um, you know, this is this is something that can't fail. But it doesn't. This infallible insurance does not so belong to the essence of faith. But that a true believer may wait long and conflict with many difficulties before he's a partaker of it. Yet being enabled by the Spirit to know the things which are freely given him of God, he may without extraordinary revelation in the right use of ordinary means attain, um, and therefore it is the duty of everyone to give all diligence to make his calling and election sure that thereby his heart may be enlarged in peace and joy in the Holy Spirit, in love and thankfulness to God, and in strength and cheerfulness in the duties of obedience and the proper fruits of that assurance. There is... There's ways in which we get in assurance. With definitely, we get it from you know the Word of God. For you know, it says these things are written that you may know that yeah. you have eternal life. Yeah. Um, but you know, sin, sin, which we all are sinners. You know, we we don't cease to be a sinner. You know, we're at the same time uh, <coughs> sinful and yet justified. Um, sin will suppress the knowledge of our assurance, yeah. as well as bad theology. That's right. I think. Uh, the way that I would answer that question, so we're asking, what key truths have you seen members struggle with over the years? Very closely related to yours, um, is just, does God really love me? I mean, does the Father really, I, I know that he sent his, his son to die for me, but does he really love me? Uh, I've had multiple conversations. In fact, John Owens' book, um, Communion with God, mm-hmm. this is how he opens it up, that 
um, that the father's particular communion with um, saints is his fatherly love towards him. That's why he's called father, right? Uh, he has this quote where he says, the greatest sorrow and burden that you can lay on the father, the greatest unkindness that you can do to him is not believe that he loves you. I mean, we get this idea as Christians that uh, the reason why God loves us is because Jesus uh, made us right with him. That's actually backwards. Uh, yeah. John three sixteen, the most famous That's verse right. in the Bible, for God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son. Right. So the love was, of God existed before the son came. Right. And in fact, that's why he sent the son. Precisely. Um, 1 John 4, um, 10, in this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. So this is, a, I think this particular thing is so mm-hmm. vital today. And. Jesus's high priestly prayer in John 17, he says that the world may know that you sent me and love them. And he's speaking now of all people that will believe in Jesus Christ, that you love them even as you loved me. Astonishing. Astonishing. Um, Ephesians 2 will say that it's the great love that God has loved us with. Um, Zephaniah um, three talks about God singing over us with rejoicing. loud singing, mm-hmm. um, rejoicing, rejoicing over, with, over with gladness, and quieting with His love, quieting us with His love. Yeah. So the idea is that not only does God love us, but God loves to love us, mm-hmm. and this is why in Ephesians three, Paul is is saying a prayer that. The saints might be able to understand the depth and the length and the the riches of of the love of God. Um, then he goes on to say that is beyond our ability to to really grasp or understand. Mm-hmm. So the idea is that on this side of eternity, um, we will always fall short of truly understanding the love of God for His people. Amen. That's why we go to his word. That's right. Because his word tells us this over and over again. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, you've been listening to the Gospel for Life. We will see you next time.